The following podcast contains general advice only and does not take into account your individual circumstances. Listeners should speak to an accountant or financial advisor before making any investment decision. Thank you very much for tuning into this week's episode of the Market Pulse podcast. This is episode 22, the West Wing edition. I thought I was really clever when I came up with that because, as you might know, most of the titles are some kind of like vague reference to something that was in the news during the week. And considering all these people are talking about Kanye West as if he is legitimately potentially going to become the next president of the United States. I'm like, oh, that the West Wing, get it? Because And anyway, but I saw many other podcasts, even just things, make the exact same pun. But I came up with it on Monday, so I'm going to run with it. But thanks for tuning in. I don't have any listener questions this week, but we've got a lot of content to cover. If you do have questions, of course, as I always say, you can email it to marketpulsepodcast.gmail.com. But we're going to dive in and see what the markets did this week. It was a bit of a, I don't know how you'd say it, a bleh week not really anything happened no a lot of stuff happened but the markets really didn't go anywhere let's start with the asx 200 it was down 0.16 percent so as you can see a bit of a mixed week for markets it did have its ups and it of course had its downs but it really just flattened out for the whole week as it closed on friday the us really did no better the s p 500 was down 0.3 percent the nasdaq down a little bit heavier than that was down 1.3 so as I mentioned before, a pretty flat week for the Aussie markets, but it did close slightly down for the week technically. That's not to say we didn't have some highs. As I mentioned, Tuesday was a really good day for the markets here at home. We received sort of verbal confirmation from the government that stimulus measures will be extended, albeit slightly reduced, but still extended for those businesses and individuals who are sort of struggling right now. And I'll give you a rundown on that in just a moment. And that is just really, really good news for the market. It's great news for the market, hence that jump on the day because one of the biggest concerns that you see people talking about it, like analysts and commentators, is you know whether those stimulus measures would be just cut and the rug pulled out from underneath them or you know whether they'll be scaled back or they're just going to continue on and maybe they're not going to be enough to sort of keep the economy going. But And, and just remember, that's what's sort of helping markets right now because it's sort of not so much the sort of fundamental data. So yes, there are some companies that have done well in 2020. We've mentioned some of those. I think of things like ResMed and Fisher and Paykel that are in the business of respiratory devices. So obviously business is very much booming for them right now. You see West Farmers, owner of Coles, Cotigold Woolworths, right? they've done very well just due to that huge increase in household spending, which we saw more figures about this week as well. And, you know, but you're also seeing the companies in our market that are actually not doing so well right now or that people are not so optimistic on, on their outlook over the next couple of years. So banks are an obvious one. So broadly speaking, they have not recovered from those March lows that they fell to. Even banks that are sort of less exposed to retail mortgage broking, such as say like a Macquarie Bank, they're still not where they were pre-COVID. I mean, they've definitely recovered from the lows that they hit, but they're not really back on course just yet. Insurance firms are sort of a big one too. Remember, we've, I mean, they, they've had a shocker of a year, really. I mean, it seems so long ago now even though it wasn't but remember just before this pandemic came into our life the conversation was more about a drought and floods but of course the huge bushfire season that uh, Australia had um, going over the sort of summer period and a good example of this this week your QBE the insurance company came out I mean they don't operate just in Australia it does have sort of US and broader APAC operations but they announced in a market release just this week that the current estimate 
of total COVID-19 costs their businesses as $600 million. And that's in US dollars as well. And it also includes about $265 million of which they said is their estimate of potential further claims that could emerge over the next 12 to 18 months. And that's the issue that a lot of companies are having right now. It's like, how much do we sort of set aside or warn investors about in terms of continued costs to the business because of the pandemic over the next you know, 12 to 24 months? Because the issue with forecasting right now is nobody really knows where we'll be even come Christmas. So what are you supposed to tell shareholders or analysts right now who are looking for a little bit of guidance on, on where the company's at and what the, what the next 12 months looks like? Another obvious example are sort of le- leisure and travel stocks. Easy one to think of, of course, Flight Center, Webjet. We've spoken about them before, but others I probably haven't touched on, like casino stocks. Are sort of two key ones here in Australia, Star Entertainment Group and Crown Resorts. As you can rightly imagine, they would much prefer you and me to be attending their casino in droves and just feeding pineapples through the pokey machines. But that behavior is a little bit of a problem when you're in a pandemic. Actually, I think... I think Star got fined the other day for breaching social distancing guidelines. They got like a this whopping five grand fine for um, breaching, apparently breaching social distancing guidelines. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is there are these fundamental impacts to companies' earnings right now. And that doesn't really appear to be influencing the market so much. What the market's looking to is a recovery and a sort of an emergence from the pandemic. Maybe things like a vaccine, as I said, it will be very interesting to see stocks on the day that a vaccine is kind of like 100% confirmed after trials, but the market is looking for support and assurance from both the government and central banks that they're not going to be let out to dry effectively. And so far that support has been there and the government more or less confirmed that it's still going to be step in and support Australia for the time being with those sort of stimulus measures and unemployment benefit measures. And that's kind of why you saw that positive reaction from our market there on Tuesday. I mean, there was also a little bit of other positive news during the week that helped um, bring a bit, of a bit of confidence about for the sort of financial markets, globally speaking. I mean, some of those relate to a hope for a vaccine for COVID-19 that sort of came out of Oxford, uh, sort of University of Oxford. There were some preliminary trials showing positive signs and positive signs, not just in this sort of immune response, but also teaching the immune system to actually remember the strain of the virus, you know, in case I guess there's a, 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 it comes back to the, to the host. But let's quickly do a little bit of an overview of those government subsidy and stimulus changes that were announced this week on the Tuesday. It's probably the big news for in terms of domestically uh, for the week. And the first one I might touch on is JobKeeper. So JobKeeper being the sort of support for Aussie employers through this time. The good news is that government has extended this support past the end of September. And now that support as it stands uh, will run out in March 2021. So it's going to go at least until then, but it has been reduced by, again, at least $300 per fortnight. It depends on the kind of support your business and employees are eligible are. There's a couple differences. But for an example, as it stands, if say if you own like a local restaurant and so you'd have to prove at least a 30% fall in turnover to be eligible for JobKeeper. And let's say your little restaurant or cafe, whatever it is, you, you um, have a barista on staff. So that's one of your employees. And let's say they work 18 hours a week. Well, they would currently be eligible for the $1,500 a fortnight to help keep that barista employed for the restaurant. But that is that has been set to end come September, which is what everyone's been you know, somewhat concerned about what's going to happen after that. But what the government announces, this will be extended and that for businesses 
under those same circumstances, such as hours worked and all that stuff, that will go down by about $300 to $1,200 a fortnight in support come the start of October. Now, again, the reason I mentioned things like hours worked by the employees, because the rules are a little bit different on how many hours a week your business has that person working for and then how much you're actually eligible for in terms of JobKeeper support. I'm not gonna go into the weeds of the change. You can jump on ATO, Treasury, if you really wanted to look. I'm sure if you're someone that actually really needed to know that, you, you would know that by now. But just a note that it will reduce from the current point come October 1. Now, the other big sort of piece of government stimulus, of course, is the job seeker. So that's aimed at individuals who unfortunately were not able to retain their position and were let go. Now, the job seeker is just a sort of rebranded version, I guess, of what we've always referred to as the dull. You know, so people you know, actively chasing a job, but, but not working at the moment. And they've basically given a boost to the doll and they did this at the start of the pandemic. So the key change here being that that boost is being lowered from $550 a fortnight to $250 a fortnight. It seems like that, you know, although it's only been extended from end of September to now the end of December, that it will, I mean, I think it was, I think it was either the treasurer or the prime minister. They did say that it's, it's very likely that the job seeker um, support or the boost to it in some sort will extend into 2021. I think that's pretty safe to say. So that gives you an overview of sort of what the changes are coming, of course, as I mentioned before, and sort of the markets this week did, of course, welcome that continued support from the government, especially Tuesday when we had that that quite a big day uh, uh, bouncing up on the market and a, and a pretty good day there for stocks. A couple economic points for the week that I think are worth touching on. So Friday, we saw numbers for exports Specifically here looking at iron ore, which from May to June, exports of iron ore in Australia increased by 8% to the value of $9.92 billion. I thought this was really interesting because the ABS actually released this data on Friday. I have just a piece of the article here. It says, quote, this pushed the total exports of iron ore for 2019-2020 to over $100 billion, representing more than a quarter of Australia's total goods exported for this whole period. And China was the main market for Australian iron ore exports. It accounted for 87% of all iron ore exported from, from us in across the 2019-2020 period. I can't remember where I read it or I might have, might have listened, but I think I read it somewhere, but some, and maybe an article that pointed out that the government's that sort of budget update with Treasury that they did towards the end of the week, they noted in their calculations that they had an assumed iron ore price of about $55 a tonne, I think it was, but the actual price of iron ore right now is just over 100. So that's not the government getting it wrong or anything like that. That's just them making an assumption for their forecast. So what they've assumed is about half the price of what the actual iron ore price is today. So the iron ore, I think is around 103, 104 or something at the moment per tonne. And the other point worth highlighting from, again, from the ABS is around retail trade this week. So they did a release from the ABS and they showed retail turnover jumped 2.4% in June. And remember it did have that massive jump in May of 16.9% after a bit of a slump the month before, because it kind of went like there was the panic buying month where it jumped and then it slumped because everyone was indoors because and also because they panic bought too much stuff. And then it jumped up again the next month because we all had to go back out and get things again. <laughs> in annualized terms, like it's annual growth in retail trade is up 8.2% which is, for context, about double the average over the last decade. So it's pretty big. I mean, it kind of hides parts of the problem though. So it's not great for everyone, of course, in terms of retail trades. You've got sectors like 
supermarket purchases, obviously very, very strong this year. But when it comes to cafes, restaurants, takeaway food businesses, whilst they've recovered a bit, so they've, they have jumped up a little bit, they still remain about, it says, according to the ABS, about 17% below the sort of baseline where they were at last year uh, in 2019 at the same time. But that's not super surprising, is it? I mean, you probably could have guessed that from your own habits over the past couple of months. I guess in terms of other macro news, sort of if you jump across the pond to the US, and I think watching the next two to three weeks will be really interesting because so just towards the end of the week, US Senate leader Mitch McConnell, he said that a bill to further a bill for further unemployment benefits and stimulus measures in the US is still probably at the end of the next few weeks. So that, that's like him kind of saying it's still a few weeks away, the next bill. And this is probably at least how I sort of see it. It's going to be a big problem for the US because certain protections and stimulus measures actually run out either now or in the next couple of weeks. So kind of like everyone's sort of saying, well, you need to hurry up because there's, you know, there's things that are about to like basically be stopped or, or run out. And one of them even ran out yesterday and that was well, today, sorry, in US time, so on Friday, and that was the moratorium they had on rental evictions. That's already actually run out. So we don't know whether something like that's going to be seen in the next bill, but it's gone for now at the sort of federal level. Other sort of big ticket support items, so the, probably the big one you might have heard, heard of was their Paycheck Protection Program or the PPP. That actually runs out on August 9th, so that's only in a few weeks' time. The PPP was, I guess, the easiest thing to compare it to is our job keeper in that it was sort of like, a grant to, or loan to businesses to sort of keep people employed and, and to help them actually pay employees on their books. And it runs out on August 9th, right? And so just said McConnell reckons it's still a few weeks away for the next bill to be finalized. And I mean, to make matters worse, I saw a survey from Goldman Sachs that they ran on businesses that are recipients for this program. And it found that 84% of businesses signed up for the PPP will run out of money by the first week of August. So they are hanging on by a thread as it is, you know, let alone not being sure if or when the, the next stimulus bill passes the House and the Senate. But I mean, you might even see even more layoffs on the horizon in the US as sort of businesses really, I mean, struggle to pay employees, but even just struggle to stay alive completely. And just remember, this is happening where they're already at record Great Depression levels of unemployment as it is. It's, yeah, it's not, not looking good. And their COVID daily deaths are still ticking up. I sort of mentioned last week, the seven-day, three-day average curves, they've ticked back up. You're starting to have those days where the sort of daily national deaths are creeping back over a 1,000 now. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's enough, enough doom and gloom for one episode. I'm going to jump into the topic, well, a bit of a sort of company uh, look this week. And it's a little bit of a small company that we have on our market, but it's, it's a bit of a good news story. It's been quietly achieving some really good results. And I found it pretty interesting. I had a little bit more of a read into it. And that company is uh, one called Whisper. So I wanted to do this little company profile this week. Every now and again, I like to do this. I think the last one I did a bit of a focus on was Pushpay. And that had a bit of good feedback. In it. And Pushpay has done very well on the market over the last few months. It's fallen back a little bit after sort of one of the sort of large shareholders sold down one of their holdings. But Pushpay, if you know, if, I know it sounds like a buy now, pay later. It's not. It actually provides sort of like a donation management system for not-for-profits and community organizations and churches, so especially sort of big religious groups. And the churches thing's a big deal, so they can provide like a platform for digital church do donations. And I mean, that kind of sounds like the future anyway, but 
I mean, it's even better now when you sort of you sort of notice people don't really like cash at the moment. They prefer you to sort of use tap and go and, and pay pass and all those kind of things. But today we're gonna to talk about a little bit of a different tech company uh, that's sort of been quite, a bit more quietly trucking along, I think. And and that's that's Whisper, as I mentioned before, it trades under the ASX stock code WSP. It is a SaaS company or like SaaS, which is software as a service company. Now for full disclosure, same with when I spoke about Pushpay, I don't actually own shares in this company. Sometimes I just like to showcase some of the more interesting companies I come across that are sort of doing innovative things. So this is not me trying to like kick up a company that I own shares in, so I don't own any holdings. It's also good to sort of see some of the those Aussie stocks or Aussie companies that are, that are whilst there are plenty that are hurting right now, it's good to see that some that are actually taking advantage or doing quite well and what sort of what they're doing that's innovative to cause them to do so well at the moment. And I said that they're a SaaS company and what exactly do they do? Well, Whisper, they basically provide like this platform for businesses to manage communication with their stakeholders. So this could be internal communications, say from HR to the employees of that business. It could be external, like you know, if they're doing, say, recruiting for a job and they are communicating to potential applicants or people who have applied for that role uh, with their business. They have, they have government clients too, so it can be like a government client going out to either employees or maybe going out to people such as you and I sending out communications and sort of managing how that looks and, and all the things that go around there. So over the last week, their shares have just quietly stormed about 40% higher since um, since Monday and, and you know massive moves, of course, for, for just a single company there. And that's kind of come off the back of their quarterly update, which they put to the market, I think on Monday. And it shows some really amazing results and sort of really good news for investors in that company. A couple of key things that sort of interested me. I'm not sure if you're, if you're listening, you might've heard of the platform Canva. It's a very, very big, it's big now, but it's also an Aussie, I think it was a startup too, but it's basically a graphic design platform. You can use a lot of templates and shapes and figures to create stuff, you know, either for personal or business use. But the reason I bring it up, because in a similar way, the success that Whisper is having is also in giving their customers the ability to use templates available like on their platform to sort of create you know, bits of engaging communication pieces. But also the reason behind templates is also means that it's easy to use and you know, users can just sort of pick it up and run with it um, and create communications very quickly, of course. And, but but they're, they're even specifically mentioned in the quarterly how customers are utilizing sort of pre-done templates more specific to the actual COVID situation. So they might be communicating health and safety guidelines to customers or communicating safe, you know, healthy work practices if they've got staff that might be returning back to the workplace after a shutdown or maybe those staff are working from home. So these are just examples. But so being one of those SaaS companies, the beauty is that the platform's already built and Whisper can just sort of respond very quickly to customer demands for new types of services and communications, you know, that might be relevant just for the current period. So a big thing for Whisper in their announcement that they released to the market was that they're pretty they're closing in on being cash flow positive and they announced 35.7% growth in what is called annualized recurring revenue. And recurring, recurring revenue is important for firms like this. So if you're ever interested in investing in say a software business similar to Whisper like this, a SaaS business, then you'll see this figure and it's a good one to keep an eye on because customer growth on face value is obviously good. So getting more customers as well, but you also want your company to be sticky or your product to be sticky because they kind of act like subscriptions. So similar to say, if you're subscribing to Netflix, right? Um, 
you know, you subscribe monthly or whatever it is, a company might subscribe to the Whisper platform. Maybe they sign like a, a couple years onto the platform and it might have multiple sort of different add-on modules that you can get. And the goal sort of not only being to retain that customer, but also to grow the business that they have with their clients or with their customer. Um, and so, for example, let's say you've Whisper onboards a new client uh, and that client just wants to use communication templates and methods to manage communications just to their staff, for example. And that's great, but maybe um, they also have a module for firms that could help them with rostering and shift management for employees. And then they also sign up for that one. So what I'm saying is recurring revenue and sort of having that sticky pro product where you can sort of grow the number of applications that are being used by your clients are really big key drivers for firms similar to this. Anyway, I just found their their little story and their market update very interesting. I do see a few different articles floating around on Whisper this week because it sort of just quietly has done very, very well uh, in the last, so since their IPO, which wasn't that long ago, but especially in 2020, they've done very well. I think they've been able to sort of grow their customers even under the current circumstances because if anything, sort of what they do has become a little bit more important to firms and government, or, uh, government entities, uh, for example, and sort of using that platform to you know, get those communications out quickly. Anyway, again, I, I don't own shares, but I just love hunting for interesting companies to watch and pay attention to. So that's my little, little showcase on Whisper there this week. And that is actually a wrap there for episode 22. Thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I'm interested to see what sort of markets do this week and sort of over the next few weeks. Although I spoke of some of the more positive stuff that sort of backed the markets, so there's plenty of negatives really as well. And I think you, you might have seen like one of the biggest ones was, I mean, is, this sounds like a broken record now, but just more China versus US tensions. And we saw the US close a Chinese consulate in Houston and then the Chinese said, well, we're going to we're going to respond to that and then like a day later they ordered the US to close their consulate in Chengdu so yeah it's just that kind of stuff's back on the back on the menu by the looks of it of course COVID just rampantly out of control across the US and we're sort of watching how that's unfolding in our own country especially in Victoria at the moment but thank you very much for tuning in if you do have questions like I said shoot them through to marketpulsepodcast at gmail.com if you have a topic you want me to explore or dig a little bit deeper on, you can shoot that through there as well. Anyway, have a great rest of your week. My name is Dion Grimmer. Thank you for tuning in to the Market Pulse podcast. Cheers.